Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Victor Juracek. Victor is a real estate fix and flipper out of Gainesville, Florida. He completed 20 flips last year, and his goal is an additional 30 flips for this year in 2021. And ironically, his best flip was a 64K net profit deal that he almost backed out of. And he flips all types of properties, including single family residences, townhomes, condos, and mobile homes. So welcome to the show, Victor. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited to you know get into some of the nitty gritty here. Yes. So if you can please share with the listeners a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate. Yeah, sure. So I currently do fix and flips. I've done almost everything. And, you know, with regards to real estate, like I've tried rentals, I've tried wholesaling, I've tried like Airbnbs, like owner finance, lease options, all that stuff. I really like the fix and flip. And before this, I was kind of working more of like a, I call it like a corporate job. Uh, I was a home health administrator, like kind of like office manager type of thing. And just realized like, hey, that's not for me. Just didn't really get me where I wanted to go like financially or like personally. And just always had this like real estate bug. Like, hey, I want to get in this. Hey, this is on my mind. Hey, real estate's pretty cool. So kind of daydream about that a little bit. And then just decided to make the leap. And, you know, here we are. And I'm full-time real estate. And it's, uh, it's really cool. It's really cool to be on the other side of this for sure. So I would love to ask you, you know, right now um, you're primarily focused in the fix and flips. Yeah. And why did you decide to go into fix and flip? And what was like the main attraction point for you here? Yeah, sure. So more backstory and I'll lead into it. So my first two deals were wholesale deals. So first one made about 3,000. Second one made about 3,500. Nothing against wholesaling. I just didn't like it personally, where like you would find a seller and you like negotiate, negotiate. Okay, cool. Now I have the deal under contract. And then you have to find a cash buyer. And then the cash buyer investor wants a good deal too. So they would kind of beat you up on price. I didn't like that. And I didn't like, always felt like I was squeezed in the middle. And they would beat me up over a thousand, two thousand bucks. And then they would go on and make 20, 30, 40,000. So I really didn't like that aspect of it. I was kind of like a middleman. I didn't like that too much. So I figured I'd try the like the fix and flip. And I really enjoyed that. So it's really cool to, so you buy a property, it's kind of run down, crummy, outdated, needs work to say the least. And like, if you showed anybody the property, they would just run away from it, run away, scream like, no, I don't even want to see the place. And then you go through this transformation process, which is super cool, like you know, fixing it up, paint, flooring, roof, all that good stuff. And then suddenly it's like this beautiful place, modern, really cool. And everyone wants to go there. So people, you know, who were running away, screaming are now like running towards like, I want it. I want to buy it. So it's really cool to see that transformation. What's also cool about the fix and flip is like you're in, you're out. And then you're done. You get a big check and you can move on. I didn't like that on the rentals where like you're kind of always on the hook. Like if something breaks, like you got to fix it. If there's someone late, you know, you got to take care of it. But this is like, it's a really clean, elegant way to do real estate. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, the other thing I want to mention for your listeners, I like the fix and flip. I'm uh, more focused on that, but it's a great way to like really like even build your portfolio. So I always recommend folks like, hey, do a flip, do a rental, do a flip, do a rental. You know, that way, like if you just did rental, 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 like you'd have to put a down payment into the rental, 
you'd have to you know put money into it and then you'd have your money there and for you to do your next deal you have to wait a couple of years to save up money save up cash flow then you can do your next deal but if you do flip you generate the cash put that into rental do a flip generate cash put that into rental like you're speeding up that process which is exciting to say the least and so how are you typically finding your properties that you're looking to buy mm-hmm. yeah so to talk at a high level and I'm happy to go into more detail there's what's called on-market deals and there's called off-market deals. So on-market is MLS listed. Like you see it on Zillow that it's for sale. Uh, you see it on you know, Realtor, it's on the MLS. Uh, typically, there's a Realtor involved. So those are MLS deals. That's on-market. Then there's off-market, which is you're dealing directly with the seller. Like you're going directly to the seller. And it's uh, if you can imagine like you talking to your neighbor to sell their house. So there's no Realtor involved. You're going direct. So you're saving some money there. So as mentioned, I did about 20 flips last year. Only one was on market. Only one was MLS listed. Zero of the deals I've done this year have been on market. So if that gives you any sense of like where you need to be focusing your time to get deals, like really off market, really focusing, getting a hold of the person directly and negotiating with them directly to make it happen. So can you share with some of the strategies that you use to get like your off market deals? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So about half my deals for the off-market come from wholesalers um, and about half come on my own. I think the biggest thing is with regards to, you know, with regards to that, like with the wholesalers, just building a good relationship with them. Not all wholesalers are the same as what I mentioned. So out of, let's say 10 wholesalers, five will never bring you a deal. One will bring you a deal per year. One can bring you a deal per quarter. And then one can bring you a deal per month. So really want to focus on building good relationships with like the five who can actually bring you deals. And, you know, a good relationship in this context can make you, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 on a flip. So it makes sense to like really go above and beyond to like help these people out and try to like understand what they're working on and see if they have any deals and just build a friendly relationship beyond the, uh, the actual business of it. And so when people kind of hear fix and flip, sometimes they think of there might be a little bit more risk that goes into it as Mm -hmm. you're purchasing these properties. You're not really knowing what you're getting into because you're purchasing something that you're needing to do, put a lot of renovations in it. Mm -hmm. So for you, how do you estimate your budgets to make sure that you're not going to be losing money on the back end? Yeah, I think a really good piece of advice, and I've missed it a couple of times and it's cost me. So vast majority of the time before we buy a property, like we still send an inspector in there. Uh, like the inspector goes in there, he checks it out. It's one thing for me to walk in there and you know check everything out. Another thing to get a, like a trained professional, like a third party person. He's getting compensated whether or not the deal goes through, right? Because you just pay him his inspection fee. So that's a, like a nice third party view. Like, hey, is this deal worth it? So if you walk it and you think it's good, and then it turns out like, hey, it needs a new roof, and it needs new electrical, and it needs new this, and this, and this. You can decide like, hey, does the numbers even make sense at this point? Or hey, should we even move forward? But I think it's a really great way to actually save money. And I've seen a lot of like fix and flippers or cash buyers, they just skip the inspection because uh, they just see everything you know with their eyes and like, oh, the numbers are good enough. But I've anytime I've done that, I've gotten burned. And so, you know, last year you said that you purchased over 20, 20 properties. Um, in terms of financing, you know, how are you able to do that? And then can you talk a little bit about, you know, how did you get to that first one and then scaled up to 20 in one year? Yeah, for sure. So I've been full time at this for about two and a half years. I think I got my first one on Halloween 2018 is like when we closed the first one. Uh, so it's been about two and a half years. So that in mind for my first deal, again, I was wholesaling. So I was like getting, I was getting these deals, getting these properties. 
And one of them, for whatever reason, I couldn't like sell it. Like I couldn't find a buyer for it. And essentially what happened was like, because I always had like the fix and flip bug. I was thought to myself, like, I, sh- I should actually do this myself. You know, why should I you know do this myself and I can make bigger bucks and feel like I enjoy it more. So basically what I did, I had my traditional buyers, cash buyers, because again, I was wholesaling, you know, come in and like all their numbers were crazy. Like it didn't make any sense. Like they all wanted this home run deal and I, I had it at a certain price and they wanted it like much, much less. So it didn't really, didn't really make sense there. So basically I couldn't find a buyer for it. So I figured, okay, well, I'll just take it down myself. I don't have money to take it down myself. So, so what now? So suddenly, you know, low 500 credit score, maybe a couple thousand in the bank. And I want to buy a property for a hundred thousand plus. So, you know, what do I do? So what happened was basically reached out to my network and found what I call now like a money partner is how I mention it. So you find the deal, you help manage the renovations, do the renovations, you help sell the place. You, you're like a sweat equity, you're the boots on the ground. And then somebody else would put in the money like to buy the place, to fix the place up, to sell it. And you would then split the profit. You can split the profit, I've seen 50-50, 70-30, you know, all these different methods. But that's how I was able to get my first deal. That's how I was able to do so many deals to answer your question, you know, what I did and to grow so quickly, like I had to grab partners. I had to have, you know, people to, to put in the funds because I certainly didn't have it back then. And so, you know, as you're purchasing these properties, so how long does each renovation take for you? And especially like now in today's market, how has that changed? <laughs> right. So it's typically about the same. We're on average, we're from closing table to closing table, four months. So to break that down, typically like the first month, 45 days is actually the renovation. Then after that, then we list it and it's luckily a hot market. So typically within a week, it's under contract, which is great. And then to actually close it because like conventional or FHA or VA uh, takes like 30 days, 45 days typically. So that's where the you know four months comes in. So a lot of it's waiting, honestly, like the actual active renovation takes you know about a third of the time. The rest of the time is like waiting waiting for people to, you know, take a look at it, appraisals, inspections, all that stuff. So we're typically in and out pretty quick. So what kind of renovations do you guys typically look for when you guys are doing a flip, fix and flip? Yeah. So the, I think the biggest thing is the numbers. So as long as the numbers work, then we're good. Like if it's a full, full gut job, like everything needs to be new, that's fine. If it's, Hey, it just needs a little bit of paint and then we can realist it. Um, that's fine. It's all about like the numbers and like, Hey, can, can we make this profitable? Hey, can we make this worth it? Worth our while. Okay. And then, so typically do you guys hold like a budget uh, or a reserve bucket on the back end or anything like that? You know, just to cover for any, you know, unforeseen events that are happening. We really don't like it does. Almost always we do go over budget. Almost always it does take longer than expected. We just account for that. But it's not necessarily like we have a budget. Like if we need the funds, we'll get the funds like to cover those repairs. But I don't know if we have like a necessary like a budget or a separate bank account or nothing like that. I guess I'm not that sophisticated yet when it comes to this. <laughs> and so for on average, can you share, you know, like how much is a typical renovation cost? Like um, not maybe not a full gut or anything like that, but just typically in your your experience, what have you seen? Typical renovation, I'd say about 20,000 if I had to give it like an average number. It just depends on the property. Like some properties need a lot, some properties don't need a lot. But our most common, I'd say, renovations are like paint and flooring. So, like our painters and our flooring people love us because, like, almost every deal we get, we send them in there. Because just because with the painting and the flooring, it just really livens up the place, makes it look a ton better. 
I mean, you can cover up a lot of nastiness with like good painting and flooring. Um, that really makes a place pop. Um, so that's the most common, you know, renovations we do. And then maybe after that, it's a lot of the mechanical stuff. If I had to guess, roof, HVAC, electrical, plumbing. So it's like those main components. Probably after that, it'd be kitchen. But that's the other thing I'd recommend for your listeners here. Like the big four is what I call it. So that's, like I said, roof, HVAC, electrical, plumbing. Like making sure those are in good order before moving forward on a deal. Because uh, those are the most expensive. Like a new roof, especially today, can be 10, 15, 20,000. Depends how big the house is, maybe more. And it's just important to know your know your numbers there. So if you know those four are good to go, then you know, you know, even if there's a, a hiccup or a surprise, like it's not going to be that expensive just because you got your big four expensive out of the way. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Awesome. So Victor, can you share with us what has been like one of the most memorable flip that you did and maybe one of the worst ones that you've done? Okay, most memorable and worst. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So there's one uh, property, it might be most memorable and worst, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> we called it uh, we called it Amsterdam House. So like in Amsterdam, you have kind of like the red light district because like the first time we walked in, like there was women's underwear on the light. So we're like, oh, I guess this is Amsterdam house because we codename all our houses. So that's a off, you know, as an aside, uh, rather than like, hey, you know, what's one, two, three Main Street? How's that one doing? Or how's two, one, three? Because the numbers kind of blend together over some time. We codename each of the properties. This one was Amsterdam. Uh, so we walked in there. Uh, basically, the guy was late on his taxes and I got this deal from a wholesaler. The very next day, if he didn't pay his taxes, it would have been you know taken away by the county. So numbers made sense based on what he was asking. So like, okay, so we paid off the taxes. So we saved him from the tax delinquency. So, okay, so we saved his property. Then he started like really taking a long time. He just wasn't, let's call it productive. It was just hard to get a hold of, hard to get everything done with. It took like an extra month or two to actually close it. Like we were ready to go, but he was just so hard to get a hold of for specific like things. So, so it did that. So eventually closed. Okay, cool. He had uh, some tools and some stuff inside the property. And he said like, Hey, give me like 30 days to get my stuff out. And then you guys can, you know, do what you need to do and renovate it, you know, sell it, rent it, whatever. I'm like, okay, great. So the only time now is the only time we never signed. It's called like a post-closing occupancy agreement where it's like, Hey, we need to be out within this time frame. If you don't, there's a penalty. So the only time we didn't sign it, and I've done it before, you know, on other properties, is when we needed it. And he basically didn't take 30 days. It took like 60 or 90 days. And every time he, we would like try to meet him at the property, he'd like run into the property, lock the door, and like wouldn't let us in. So that sort of thing. And then what ended up happening, I think he went to jail for a little bit, for a couple of weeks. 
So then he came back and then we eventually got him out, but it was just a, a pain in the butt. And the other thing is like, yes, he left, but he actually didn't leave because the house was here. And on the back side of the house lived his mom and parents. So he actually just moved to the other, you know, to the neighboring house, which is his mom's house. So he was still like harassing workers. And one time, like a handyman was working on the house and this guy kind of like walked into the house, scared the handyman, the handyman pulled a gun on him. You know, nothing happened, luckily, but it was all this tough, uh, lots of speed bumps, let's put it that way. And then eventually we got him out and we sold the place. And yeah, so that was, that was Amsterdam house, but quite the, <laughs> quite the memorable house. Oh yeah, know. definitely. So I'd love to talk a little bit about in the intro, we talked about your best flip being a 64,000 K net profit deal. Can you share a little bit more about the details on, on that one? And can you share a little bit more details? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So this was a deal that we did this like in the last 12 months. This is a pretty recent deal. The quick numbers. So we bought it about 73, put in about 50 uh, ish, and then sold for about 200. So decent deal, great spread. It went smooth for uh, that last part, went smooth, but the rest didn't. Uh, so basically, what happened, a wholesaler got a hold of us, like, hey, we got this deal. Uh, would you guys be interested? Like, yes, we're interested. So went and saw the property, great, uh, agreed on the numbers ASAP. And then, uh, you know, we just, we just got into it. So we purchased the property. And then we knew about like there's a mold issue. We knew about that, didn't figure that'd be a problem. Then we started to get some quotes for the mold remediation. And then like the first one came in like 25 grand. And then like the second one came in 20 grand. We're like, oh, shoot. We didn't expect that the mold would be so bad. And at the time, we um, like the neighbor was offering to buy it. He was going to buy it for like the same price we bought it at. So we take a little loss and just be able to sell it. So he had a mold remediation company, so it made sense. Like he could just fix it, you know, do the mold remediation himself, kind of fix it up, call it good, you know, not have to worry about any of those issues there. So that's basically what happened. So we almost passed up on it. We were kind of getting worried about the mold remediation. And then we figured, well, what if we just sell it to this guy? And what happened luckily in our case is like he took back his offer. So he was offering to buy it before we bought it. And then we closed on it, you know, mold remediation problems, so on and so forth. And we said like, hey, do you still want to buy it? And luckily he said, no, like, no, I'm no longer interested. If he said yes, we could have sold, you know, we would have sold it to him, would have been break even versus making, you know, 64K. And then after that, like it was smooth sailing, like we fixed it up, made it nice, you know, sold it, all that good stuff. But uh, it's a good lesson. Like you got to think about the numbers on the deal. Um, like you got to think of a house in terms of components. So components like the roof, the flooring, the kitchen, and it's like all, it's all the numbers, package of numbers. So if there's mold, okay, great. No, not great, but you know, you know, what, uh, what does it cost to fix mold? Okay. What does it cost to fix this? What does it cost to fix this? So you shouldn't get scared if something pops up. It's like, okay, this is all numbers. You know, what does it cost to fix it? Cause everything's fixable. It just takes, the question is like, how much does it cost to fix it? And so from the time that you complete the renovations to the time where you actually sell the property, what's that timeline usually like? Uh, typically pretty quick. You know, we'll list it here. And again, it's a hot market, luckily. So within a within a, a week, it's under contract. And then we, you know, take some time to close. Typically, it takes 30 to 45 days just because like they got to get a survey or they got to get an appraisal or they got to get their own inspector in there. A lot of the times, like these mortgage companies like to take their time. So that's typically what the delay is. That's what it takes roughly in terms of time frame. And then so are you seeing in the market, especially now in terms of the housing market, are you still seeing the demand increasing 
or has there been a shift in anything in the in the housing market right now from your perspective? Yeah, so there's definitely been a shift. Uh, so I watch this pretty closely. So if you look at like inventory numbers and mortgage demand, basically about five weeks ago, roughly is when it four or five weeks ago is when it peaked. And then you can, you've slowly seen mortgage demand, like mortgage applications with companies and mortgage lenders has gone down. It's gone down a little bit, maybe a couple percentage points each week. So it's noticeable, but it's not like, it's still definitely a hot market. And, you know, and just, you know, talking to people uh, qualitatively, like typically before off- houses were getting 15 offers. Now it's more like 12. So slowing down a little bit, it's still hot as hell, but um, it's definitely still slowing down. I see that's like, that's kind of where the market's going, where it's cooling down based. If you you know project forward that data from, you know, four weeks ago, kind of moving forward slowly here, they say about 14 months to get back to normal. And that back to normal is, you know, quote unquote, that back to normal is pre-corona, which even then, like that market was pretty hot back then. Even back then we were flipping houses and like within a week or two, like we get a, you know, a really good price offer, super close to asking or full asking. So it's still a hot market, kind of cold, cooling down, slowing down. I think the worst is behind us. So I don't foresee it, you know, getting hotter. You know, hopefully it just cool down here to something a little more normal. Awesome. And so for Victor, for you, what is next for you and what you what are you looking to do? I just want to do more deals, better deals, and that's that's pretty much it. So I luckily enjoy what I do. And especially with like the fix and flip, because I've tried the other stuff. And the reason I like the fix and flip so much, and the reason I stick to it so much is I enjoy it. So if I were doing wholesaling, I, I don't think I'd do nearly as much volume, but luckily for the flipping, like I actually enjoy it. So it just becomes a natural offshoot. Like, yeah, let's do more. So just more is the, is the plan. <laughs> so how has real estate investing impacted your life? So it just, before I made the transition, so I had, this was a while back, I had a failed business. And before I got into real estate, I was actually like 300,000 in debt. And because of that, or now, because of real estate, I'm out of debt, positive net worth by a lot. So it's just been really helpful there where I've just, you know, gotten out of debt and, you know, got a lot more financial freedom now and, and do what I like and that sort of thing. So it's, it's helped me out there. What's really interesting about debt is like, once you start to pay it off, it's like a physical weight has gone off your, off yourself. It's the weirdest thing. So I like pay off a credit card debt or pay off something. It's like, I literally feel lighter. Like it was the weirdest thing. And now being debt-free is just really cool. A bad debt-free, I should say. There's still good debt. Still got millions of loans. <laughs> and what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? I think, I wish I would have gotten started earlier. There's that compounding effects. Like, like we've talked about, like it might sound, it might sound impressive. Like, oh, you know, 30 flips. It's for some people, it's impressive. For others, it's it's nothing. And the point is like the first year I did two, then did eight, then did 20, now did 30. So the value in starting earlier is key because you have that compound growth. You've got the exponential growth. If you want to follow that growth curve, I was recommended by a mentor. This was five, six years ago. Like, hey, you should get into flipping. Basically didn't listen. And I ended up you know, getting started a little bit later. So who knows where I would have been if I started you know, five, six years ago. I might be at you know, 50 deals, 60 deals, 100 deals a year. So who knows? But the value of like getting started now is often overlooked. So I just want to recommend people like, hey, there's a lot of value in getting started, you know, making this happen because uh, you'd be surprised where you're at, you know, five years from now. Awesome. So Victor, if our listeners want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, for sure. So I have a free Facebook group so called the Six Figure House Flipper. That's what, that's what the sign is in the back for the people who can actually see this. 
So Six Figure House Flipper, it's a free Facebook group. If you want to hit me up on Facebook, I'm pretty active there. Always trying to post my you know deals and what I'm working on. Uh, just look up my name, Victor Yerchek, and I'm there. So you know, feel free to reach out if you know have any questions with flipping. And yeah, I'm here to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Victor, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us today. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate you having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.